This is The Guardian. Gegenseitiger Respekt ist die Basis für ein gutes Gespräch. Im Netz ist das alles andere als selbstverständlich. Und woher zur Hölle willst du das wissen? So eine vorlotte Bitch wie dich sollte man an den Herd fesseln, dir dein Handy wegnehmen und... und wir feiern dich dafür, dass du dich als Frau nicht unterkriegen lässt. Keine Angst, du bist hier nicht allein. Wir alle entscheiden, ob wir das Netz dem Hass überlassen. Werde Teil der Telekom-Initiative gegen Hass im Netz und setze ein Zeichen. Telekom. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly International Break Special. Four games, four wins, qualification almost certain. Could this be their tournament? Yes, Scotland go to Cyprus knowing a win would be huge. Meanwhile, Gareth's boys head to Poland to play Ukraine. Some players like James Madison in scintillating form. Some, Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips, excited to see a football for the first time in a while. We'll look ahead to the other home nations, how the other big guns are faring. And Paul Watson is here to tell us about Kazakhstan. All that plus Taylor Swift's impact on Jude Bellingham. Your questions and that's the Today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendenning, welcome. Hello, Max. Paul Watson, hello. Hello, Max. Uh, hello, Jonathan Faduba. Hello, Max. Before we get to the international fixtures, um, uh, just uh, you will have seen Manchester United's statement about Anthony. We mentioned on the pod uh, that Brazil have withdrawn him from their latest squad following serious allegations made by his former girlfriend Gabriela Cavarin of physical assault and the claim that the player threatened to kill her and attacked her with a glass. Uh, he denies the accusations in a statement says, I can say with tranquility, I'm innocent of the accusations that have been made. My relationship uh, was tumultuous with insults made on both sides. Uh, never did I commit any act of physical aggression. Michael says, how many more club statements do Manchester United need to put out before they get one right? They've released the following statement. Manchester United acknowledges the allegations made against Anthony and notes that the police are conducting inquiries. Pending further information, the club will be making no further comments. As a club, we're taking this matter seriously with consideration of the impact of these allegations and subsequent reporting will have on survivors of abuse. It, it's a, it is a statement, Barry. They haven't really said anything in, at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's a sort of non-statement statement. I guess I'm not sure what they are supposed to say. They had to say something uh, after Brazil left to manage their squad. Um, they've known this was in the pipe for several months and that is about as banal a way of addressing the issue as they could possibly have come up with. But having said that, I'm not really sure what else they could say. He hasn't been charged. He hasn't been uh, found guilty of anything. Um, So we're basically saying we are aware of this problem and we hope it will go away. Hmm. Oh, I guess they're saying we're aware of this problem, Paul. We see Brazil have made a decision. We're not going to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, the the statement basically reads we're not going to suspend them. And I think that's the that's the action. You know, if we're saying what can they do? Well, they could s- suspend them while this takes place. Could they not? I mean, that would be at least a sign that they intend to deal with this. Um, but we're looking at a club. We've just seen how they've dealt with Mason Greenwood. You know, this is not a club that is going to deal with this in the way that that most of us would like a football club to engage with it they are going to do the least they can do and they're going to hope it disappears um which which is cowardly but it's exactly what you expect from this current manchester united i think 
Yeah, probably worth saying. I'm not entirely sure if other clubs would deal with this thing brilliantly either, which which is brings into question how these things should be dealt with. We've discussed it a lot with the Mason Greenwood story. We will almost certainly discuss it again. Um, but let's move on to uh, the international break. England go to Ukraine. Um, then they go to Scotland on Tuesday for a friendly. Um, uh, what do you make, Jonathan? I mean, let's let's be positive before we talk about, you know, Gareth Southgate selecting players that have never that aren't playing. Eddie and Ketia coming in is is interesting, and I thought it was interesting listening to him about how happy he was and how this feels like a kind of not the not like the whole point of his career, but like a real moment in the journey of his career and all the people that have sacrificed so much and the fact that he when he found out he got the text message he kind of lost his cool compared to the rest of us just generally being indifferent and sad that an inter- international break is happening. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it it definitely sort of um, there was definitely a contrast in that, and I suppose you get to see how important international football is to players themselves, how how much it means. You know, you, like you just said there, you can kind of get bogged down in the in the sort of humdrum of international football at times, and not really take for granted take for granted a little bit how much it means to the players themselves. Obviously, Enketia talked about being released, um, but as a youngster and having to go down a different path. Obviously, he was at Chelsea, made his way to Arsenal, and and he's sort of been plugging away for quite a long time now and and he's finally got his reward for it and I feel like I feel like that's one thing Gareth Southgate's done pretty well like he he, he does give opportunities um to players well I was about to say I merit but there's a few few players in the squad that we might have to discuss <laughs> some of them in that situation but but generally speaking younger players and, and play up and, up and coming players you know one of the things I think the Southgate and the, the camp have done really well the, the staff there is integrating younger players into the team way earlier than they're ready for it. So, for example, Jude Bellingham was integrated into England training long before he got called up to the squad. And, you know, that kind of interaction between the youth team and the, the first team, I think, is is quite a clever move um, from Southgate just to get players used to the environment. So, um, I think, yeah, and Ketty, it came maybe a little bit out of left field, but I suppose if you look around at strikers at the moment in the Premier League, um, English strikers, who, who else was there available? So, I think... It's it's great for him and yeah, I enjoyed his kind of comments about well he's talking about sort of Thierry Henry, wasn't he, and Ian Wright and all his all his inspirations over the years and yeah, I think those those first England press conferences are always a moment for players to kind of be get all a bit nostalgic and, and sort of sentimental, which is nice to see to be honest when when you think about it. Mm. And the door is open for Harry Kane's number two, I guess, Baz, because Callum Wilson's not starting, scored a couple of goals, Dominic Calvert Lewin is obviously never Fit. I can't think of who have I forgotten about. Um, good mm, question. Maybe asking you who I've forgotten about is the wrong. <laughs> just generally, <laughs> just generally across these things. Anyway, it's nice for him. Another another player, James Madison, has played started brilliantly. As has Jude Bellingham. And I suppose it would be really fun to try and get them both in. As we Sid told us in the week, how how high up the pitch Bellingham is playing. Could you stick them both in, Baz? Um, yeah, I think. You probably can. Um, James Madison sh- has shown at Spurs already this season he can play further back. Um, you know, uh, which game was it? He he was dropping back to get the ball. The Bournemouth uh, game, I think. Bournemouth, yeah, that's correct. I think you can always find a way to get really good players, informed players, into a team. I'm not convinced. Gareth Southgate is convinced by James Madison, but uh, we shall see. I suppose. The form is shown this season already makes him, 
you think he should be a shoe in, but obviously Bellingham has, has been even more impressive at Real Madrid, the start he's got off to. But these are the kind of games you can experiment in because England are going to qualify. It's not, not in question. Um, so it's it's almost a friendly. On the other side, Paul, Harry Maguire is in the squad. Calvin Phillips. Which of those is the weirder call-up? I'm like you, you, all, Your whole mind goes straight to Maguire, doesn't it? But perhaps that's not as weird as Calvin Phillips. No, I think Phillips is maybe the weirder call-up because there aren't an abundance of options to replace Harry Maguire. Um, that said, I'm not sure Southgate would take those options if he could. I think it's it's at this point, it's an ideology thing, isn't it? it he's treating the national team almost like a club team. If a, if a player keeps playing well for the national team, they retain a place. If he sees, you know, this... This, this player's functioning within my unit, that's all I need to see. Um, and so Maguire is like the logical extension of that. You know, how how far can he continue this thing of, you know, if he works for me, he stays in the unit. Um, and Maguire is taking it to its absolute extreme. I think if there was someone else who was crying out for a call-up, I think he may have to he may have to switch. But we are pretty short, I think it's fair to say, with the injuries we've got. It's pretty, we're pretty short of other options at the moment. By the way, Max, you forgot Bukayo Saka and Marcus Rashford. And interestingly, looking at the official England squad, Eddie Nketiah and Levi Colwell are both in silhouette. They haven't even been mm. given a photo. In the... Wow. So about Andy McNabb. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't know what, we, just, we, we, we don't know what they look like. They could score out. by stealth. Yeah, it's just to freak out Ukraine. <laughs> Ukraine scouts. Who are these people? <laughs> I would say I haven't forgotten Saka or Rashford because I wouldn't put either of them down the middle naturally. Like I, I, I remember their existence when I was trying to think of what happens if Harry Kane gets crocked. Um, Kavanosti says Pep would be a terrible appointment as England manager. Uh, this is the rumour that Gareth Southgate plans to leave the job after the Euros. The FA are plotting to tempt Guardiola. Uh, almost certainly nothing in it, but interesting to imagine uh, Pep in charge. Could you see it, Jonathan? He's too intense for like three days every couple of months, isn't he? Those training sessions would be just absolutely unbearable for the players. Yeah, I I can't really I couldn't really see. I mean, there was a lot of rumors that Manchester City wanted Harry Maguire um, a number of years ago before he joined United. So maybe in a way it fits. It, it will keep him in the squad potentially, turn him into like the best player in the world somehow. Maybe play him up front or as a centre midfielder. Uh, so it could be fun, but I don't think uh, it's going to be happening anytime soon. A note about John Stones, not related to this, but apparently in a bid to become Manchester City captain, it's been confirmed by Ilkay Gundogan. John Stones. Uh, distributed election posters entitled John Stone's Man of the People. Uh, <laughs> a, man, a man after my own heart. What a great thing to do. I mean, there's not that many... You don't have to, you don't have to canvas that many... Like, you don't have to knock on too many doors, do you? Posters seems quite a stretch when he could just walk around the canteen once and that would sort of be enough. I wasn't aware that that is how club captains were appointed. I thought it was a managerial decision rather yeah. than... Election with with hostings and and polling. <laughs> it's like a US teen movie. It's like one of those US teen yeah. movies where they have to have class president. <laughs> um, I, I think I was form captain when I was. Uh, oh, of course, you were. I was about, about thirteen. Uh, I'm not sure I had a lot of responsibilities, but I got a badge. And that's the important thing. Um, Did you get a good shoeing as well <laughs> from your peers? Sh- no, I was a, that was a vote by the people. Oh, I was right. a man of the people, Barry. Um, 
at the cheapest private school in Cambridge. Anyway, uh, Scotland go to Cyprus. Uh, they play England as well. Look, they've started so well, Paul. Um, four wins from four. Uh, they beat Spain. Um, they beat Norway as well. Spain and Norway should come again, you imagine, right? So Scotland are top, uh, 100% record, 12 points in four games. Georgia have played three, four points. Norway have played four, four points. So really struggling. Spain have played two and have three points. But this is this sort of feels must win. If they can win this one, and Cyprus are rock bottom, and you can tell me how bad or good they are, then, you know, they're, they're basically there. Yeah. Uh, and to, in any logical world, they won't have any problem with Cyprus. But we're talking about Scotland and Scotland's tendency to make life difficult for themselves. I'm sure Scottish fans won't see this as a routine win. Um, but there is very little to worry them. I, I'm not trying to tempt fate. I, I actually hope Scotland qualify. Um, but yeah, th- there's really nothing in this Cyprus squad that's of particular concern for them that I can see. Actually, the team that I would be worrying about is Spain at the moment. Spain are in pretty dreadful state. Um, and obviously, new coach coming in already under pressure. Um, and Spain have got to go to Georgia and and uh, and do something. And that that, I think, is a more tricky tie. I think Scotland on against Cyprus really should be fine. I I don't think um I don't think they should be too worried. Timuri Katzbier in charge there. A few people might remember him for his wanton act of violence oh, yeah. against the advertising hoarding when he scored that famous oh, goal. Suddenly I'm much more interested in this game now. <laughs> yeah, there's a possibility. I'm desperate for Cyprus to yeah, score. They're, they're, well, I mean they can score. They're not they're not without a cutting edge, but they're just not I don't think they're a side that should massively worry Scotland, especially when you look at the way they've been playing. Scotland needs five points from four games to guarantee qualification. They may only need three. If they win this game against Cyprus, they could actually qualify um, in this window without having to play another qualifier if certain results go their way. And they also have, you know, even if they Scotland things up, which is looking very unlikely, they still have the safety net of, of a playoff available which is a luxury I don't think any of the other home nations are likely to have. Doug says, how did you not have a Fitbar corner this week after the old firm derby? Um, whose fault is it? Is it your fault, Barry? I mean, I it was in the running order, and I think we, conversation just, Sid just went on too long. But of course, Celtic won the old firm. Well, my Fitbar corner would have been even more risible than usual because I barely saw the game. It, it, started, it was on in the studio while we were doing a radio show, but I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention That's to That's totally it. fine. It's okay. We'll be forgiven. We'll get you and Murray. I believe it was quite controversial. Celtic won one nil. Rangers had a goal disallowed that shouldn't have been. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there you go. The odds are that Rangers and Celtic fans are already aware, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's strange... <laughs> Be a real fan of the pod to say I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna watch the game I'm not gonna take any of the coverage in I'm just gonna wait until Barry tells me what happened briefly and now uh, you have put their minds at rest and you know congratulations to those Celtic fans who are jumping around their living room right now uh, I believe Michael Beale the Rangers manager is also uh, coming under serious pressure after getting knocked out of the Champions League qualifier or playoff or hammered in that and losing Celtic in the space of four or five days mm. it was quite an interesting appointment Michael Beale given that he was when he left Aston Villa everyone was like well this is why you know he's the brains uh for Steven Gerrard if I'm remembering correctly 
and then didn't do great at QPR and has not done great at Rangers so far. No, he was doing well at QPR and then Wolves came in for him and he wouldn't go to Wolves because he said he wanted to stay at QPR and then Rangers came in and he couldn't leave QPR quick enough (laughs) and then they went off a cliff. Noted. Uh, That'll do for part one. Uh, Part two, we'll do uh, the other home nations and the other big games in the international break. Dein Podcast macht kurz Pause. Hate Speech dagegen hört nicht so einfach auf. Wer hat dir überhaupt erlaubt zu reden, Schlampe? Verzieh dich in die Küche, bevor ich herausfinde, wo du wohnst und dir... Dir persönlich Danke sage. Hör nicht auf die Hater. Du machst einen richtig guten Job. Und wir stehen alle hinter dir. Wir alle entscheiden, ob wir das Netz dem Hass überlassen. Werde Teil der Telekom-Initiative gegen Hass im Netz und setze ein Zeichen. Telekom. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. We're going on tour in November. Um, and uh, Barry's having a month sabbatical before, so he'll be like a coiled spring ready for these. Um, uh, the 13th of November in London, uh, Ellis James, Troy Townsend, Filippo Clare. Um, uh, some tickets available for that one. Uh, so snap them up. Bristol sold out. Mark Langdon, Jordan Jarrett, Bryan, uh, and uh, Bristolian guest. Uh, which isn't you, Paul, unless no, you want to come along as well. Two Bristolian guests. I don't... That's I feel like I've been dropped. I've been snubbed. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is really, you know, you must have felt quietly confident. How close to Bristol are you right now? I was going to say I'm in Stroud. So if you do one in Stroud and I'm not invited, then I'm starting to take it personally. Right. What Stroud to Bristol is how far? About 45 minute drive. All right. Do you want to come? Just come and say hello? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel a little bit like this is a pity invite, but I'll take it. No, no, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we, like, honestly, the, although, uh, you know, we are sold out, we're yet to have the main production meeting about what this show is going to be. So any ideas are welcome. Just because, Are you saying I'm welcome to buy a ticket and come? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're welcome to, you're welcome to a, a, come on stage and do something marvellous. Well, thank That's you. what we're hoping for. Um, Dublin is 20th is sold out, 21st still close to selling out. Me, Lars, Barry and Wilson, Brighton, me, Barry, Nikki, and Johnny Lou, also very close to selling out, but live streamed around the world. So wherever you are, please go to theguardian.com slash fwtour23. Um, I have to film a video in super slow-mo and send it to producer Joel for what we, what is a working... It's a it's an in-progress in idea that could be really quite good. I, I have my reservations. <laughs> <laughs> I have my reservations that everyone will do it, but we'll see. The Republic of Ireland, Barry. They go to France, then they play the Netherlands. That's a, a fun but tricky couple of games. Uh, Simon says, how concerned, how concerned is Barry about Evan Ferguson's injury? Seamus says, are you going to be repeating the Evan Ferguson to England nonsense again? He's played six games for Ireland. FIFA rules say you can't move country after you've played more than three games for a country, competitive or not. Yeah, well, first of all, I didn't say he could move to England. I said I remained unconvinced it was uh, not an option for him. Um, because the the wording of the FIFA rules I read was slightly ambiguous, you know, as in what constitutes a, fe- a competitive game. But I am assured by Daniel MacDonald, the Irish independent uh, football correspondent and Republic of Ireland correspondent, that uh, Ferguson is locked into Ireland and uh, that there is no question he would have declared for England as well because he has said in the past that if he did, he wouldn't be allowed home by his dad. Um, 
unfortunately, he has been injured. He's got a knee injury, which rules him out of this game against France. Tonight, uh, he's out. Michael Obafemi's out. Callum Robinson's out. Mikey Johnson's out. Troy Parrott is out. Seamus Coleman is out. And Matt Doherty is out, which is great news is, for Ireland. Is Paul McGrath fit? I mean, blimey. <laughs> well, it might have to rustle him up. Um, and it's sort of indicative of the bad luck that Stephen Kenny has endured in his three years as Ireland manager. But the excuses for him are starting to wear a bit thin. There's every likelihood they'll lose against France tonight. And their game against the Netherlands on Sunday is arguably the more important one. Uh, they're they're in a three-way shootout with the Dutch and Greece for runners-up spot in the group. Um they got hammered, but well, hammered two one by Greece uh, in their last game, and I think Stephen Kenny was really banking on getting something from that, and they were fairly comprehensively outplayed. So you'd have to say, and working on the presumption they lose against France away, anything less than two wins against uh, the Netherlands and Greece in their next two home games would would certainly rule them out of contention. But I'm I'm not at all confident they'll come anywhere near qualifying, and I suspect Stephen Kenny may not be long for the job. France are uh, running away with this group, Jonathan. They're the favourites for the Euros currently. I think they're not the favourites, but I think I think I really genuinely think this is the tournament where England should be considered. Ah, here we go. Oh no, possible favourites. Really? I do. Yeah, I do. So have that. There should be some pressure in England. I think this time around, <laughs> they've done so well in the last few tournaments that I, I, I do genuinely think maybe France will be up there. They've had a little bit of a regeneration of the squad. Players like Kante and Pogba, obviously, with the injury issues and and you know over the past few years haven't been. Maybe at the peak of their game, they're, they're both. I think they're both kind of being not phased out, but they're not quite you know um, as important as they were maybe to the to the French squad. Yeah. They brought players in like Colo Moani, who's just moved to PSG uh, from Frankfurt. Um, no, Larice as well. Obviously, Larice, yeah, of course, Mike Wania, um, and other sort of the, Areolas, obviously of West Ham is in the squad, isn't that as well? So they are going through a slight regeneration. I think they're still a really good team. France, they've still got really good players. They'll always have really good players because their youth teams are incredible. Um, but I do think it's fair to say England, England should be should be feeling confident on this yeah. tournament. I suppose it helps that Kane has gone to Bayern Munich and Bellingham is at Real Madrid. You know, those two players are playing, you know, not necessarily the hardest games every week, but, you know, under that pressure to win things. So uh, they could both turn up laden with trophies. Uh, laden hosen with trophies, <laughs> almost. Um, Nor- See what you did Thank there. you. Uh, Northern Ireland go to Slovenia and they go to Kazakhstan. Paul, you wanted to talk about Kazakhstan. Yeah, finally. Um, someone will talk about Kazakhstan with me. Um, well, Kazakhstan are actually, very quietly, um, are threatening to qualify for their first competition. Um, first whisper competition. it, but Kazakhstan, it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's a whisper it. Yeah, but. they're talking about it on the streets of Astana. Um well, they're, so they're, they've got what you could regard as a charitable group. You know, it's the Finland, Denmark, Slovenia, Northern Ireland, San Marino. Um, but it really turned for Kazakhstan very early on in this campaign when they were 2-0 down to Denmark in the 73rd minutes, the kind of game you'd switch off. Um, and they, they scored uh, two goals in quick succession to actually win it 3-2. They scored in the 86th and 89th uh, to like upset Denmark in you know, a huge upset, really. 
pulled off a scrappy win against Northern Ireland. That wasn't a game anyone will remember fondly. Um, but basically, Kazakhstan have assembled this almost entirely home-based squad and are now playing Finland in a top-of-the-table clash. And if they were to win that, they would actually be very well set to try and qualify, which is an amazing achievement given that they actually moved across from Asia. So they're one of the few, they're one of these teams that you get a bit of a, a double take sometimes. You're like, well, Kazakhstan is in, in Europe even. But actually they did start off in Asia. They were in the AFC. Uh, and they just weren't doing very well in Asia at trying to qualify for World Cups. They, they basically chose Asia because they thought it was an easier route in. But also all their local rivals, like Uzbekistan and Tajikistan are in Asia. So it made sense. And actually they moved over after try, after failing to qualify for 1998 and uh, 2002. Moved over to UEFA. Uh, and have got nowhere near qualification. But suddenly you're looking at a team that, um, yeah, could get there. And it would be pretty incredible achievement, really. I think it would be one of those teams that no one can quite saw coming until until it happens. Can you tell me someone to look out for? I mean, obviously I know, but like yes, for the um, listeners, is there a Kazakh to follow? Abba, Abba Embatov is the guy to look out for. A really like talented um, forward. Also will get himself sent off sometimes just for the hell of it. So he's a player I really like <laughs> for both those reasons. Perfect. Uh, um, Northern Ireland, Baz, uh, before the pod, you were really enthusiastic about discussing Northern Ireland's chances in another football match. <laughs> no, well, that's slightly unfair. I I, I was okay. saying I always find, you know, we've been doing this part a very long time and international previews, you know, of sort of, the first international break of the season, these are always the killers. Because, you know, you go to fi- see what's been going on or who's where, and go, oh, crikey, I forgot Scotland were doing so well. And, ooh, Wales are in a bit of spot of bother, aren't they? And you can never remember who's in what group. But Northern Ireland uh, fans, I'd say, will be for once happy for us to gloss over them because uh, our, our fables dreadful coverage of the Northern Ireland international football team. They won their opening game against San Marino. They've had three successive 1-0 defeats since against Finland, Denmark and Kazakhstan. Um, And things are looking pretty bleak for them. Uh, They're second from bottom of the group with three points from four games. Not going to qualify and it's, it's kind of like about damage limitation really. Johnny Evans will be playing, of course, and will be earning, I think, his 102nd cap for Northern Ireland. Oh, well done. Well done to Johnny Evans. Um, Wales are in a spot of bother, I hear from my Welsh <laughs> correspondent, um, Barry Glendenning, Jonathan. And it's the same sort of story, isn't it? They would have to go on some run. They've got a friendly against South Korea on Thursday. Then they go to Latvia, which, you know, who are bottom of the group, but four points from four games behind... Uh, level with Croatia who have two games in hand behind Armenia who have a game in hand and and a long way behind Turkey yeah it's looking difficult for them I mean points wise it's not impossible it's not you know it's not unsurmountable but if you look at the results and also poor performances I think disappoint a lot of Wales fans Um, the Turkey game obviously kind of comfortably beaten really and and then losing to Armenia of course uh, at home is, is is never good I think it feels like obviously the Euros they they they're sort of. I feel like FIFA try and make it or UEFA try and make it as easy as possible to qualify. So it, there's the storylines get harder and harder to find because there's not that many compelling. Like it's almost harder to not qualify than it is to qualify. So I feel like they they're still with a chance. Do you think? <laughs> so I don't know if that makes sense, but um, yeah, 
I don't really fancy them to, to qualify, really. I think Croatia, obviously, with the games in hand, they should sort of start to take control of the group, really, um, with the quality of players they have. And with the fixtures that, I mean, this, obviously the friendly to prepare the South Korea game, you, you'd like to think that maybe, um, you know, Wales can kind of experiment, maybe find some other solutions. They clearly haven't really got over Gareth Bale, sort of leaving the squad, obviously a player of that quality is going to be hard to replace. And and the depth and quality they have at the moment is just kind of dipped from the, the peak Wales team. So, yeah, you you hope they could qualify, but I, I think you have to worry about them. Rob Page is under serious pressure, I think, in his role as Wales manager. They've only won one of their last 12 games. They've had eight defeats in those 12 games. Uh, he, he said he doesn't want to play this friendly against South Korea. Do you know who the manager of South Korea is, Max? Yes. And what is his name? I, I just don't want to, t- I don't want to <laughs> tell you. He's a quite famous German. Ah. Lothar Matthäus. Close. Jürgen Klinsmann. Ah. Okay. But um, there was a nice photo, actually, because Hyung Min's son, obviously, when he goes on international duty, generally has to travel a very, very long way. There was a nice photo of him and Ben Davis uh, on the platform at Cardiff Station where they both travelled to London, down from London for this game. So uh, that that was quite cute, I suppose, and endearing. But, um, yeah, Wales are in a lot of bother. They've no Tom Lockyer for this game. Dan James is out as well. I think Page has said he's going to rest Aaron Ramsey for the friendly because he's been playing more than he usual for... Now that he's gone to Cardiff, I think he's played every minute for them since he signed. And... Uh, I suspect Ellis James will is is optimistic. Ellis, when Wales are doing well, is a great Ellis, but I, I doubt there'll be much sign of him around at, at the moment. Mm. Still like a morose Ellis, but you know, <laughs> it isn't it isn't as good. You're right. Um, yeah, Croatia only played twice because they told UEFA they were tired, and uh, that's they got to have some games off. Um, Turkey are top three, not no longer the dark horses. Uh, what do we know about them? Are they a, are they a possible dark horse for the actual tournament? Paul, I hope so. Oh, I'm not going to fall into this trap. <laughs> people, for, since the dawn of time, people have been yeah. listening to Turkey as a dark horse. Um, it, it's, it looks like a decent side. They're, they're certainly showing exactly the kind of form that will make them a dark horse um, and then they'll fall apart in the tournament. Of course, their manager, another German that we remember very fondly. Anyone, anyone fancy having a go? Rudy Voller. Remembered, he's remembered fondly for his name, in fact, more than anything else. His surname. Oh, um, Stefan Kunz. Uh, yeah, Stefan Kunz. Yeah, I believe it is. Um, <laughs> not how everyone pronounces it, but there you go. <laughs> just, just making it easy for the editors there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, t- Turkey are decent. And I've got to say, and uh, you know, I'm sure Wales fans won't massively want a defensive Rob Page, but um, the group's deceptively tricky i mean it's not not like the hardest of groups but it looked a lot easier on paper i think than it was and partly because armenia who who in 2000 uh was it 2022 lost nine nil to norway in a friendly like they were really in a bad way they lost four one to scotland five nil to ukraine suddenly got this talented little crop of players like grant leon ranos 20 year old striker who's come through he's brilliant uh scored four goals in three games he's the one who put wales to the sword uh, and Edward Spartian, who is actually like really in demand, has been linked with Ajax, Newcastle, Man City, everyone, basically. Uh, and the only reason he can't get a big move is actually because he's at Krasnodar um, in Russia and no one wants to do any business with Russia at the moment. So 
I, I do, I feel that, you know, obviously Wales are very disappointing. I think it probably is time for a new manager, but the group is harder than it looks, is, all, is what I would say. Um, I also love that Rob Pace said, don't judge me by my recent record, which I think is just brilliant. I think I'm going to start saying that when I mess anything up. <laughs> it's great for a football manager. Um, other games, Italy play Ukraine. Um, Spalletti's first game in charge. Nicky's going to come on on Wednesday uh, to discuss that and their game against North Macedonia. Spain, you've already mentioned, Paul, really struggling. Uh, group In Group I, Switzerland, the top on 10. Romania and Israel, second on uh, eight and seven points. They play each other on Saturday. Hungary and Serbia level on points in Group G. They play each other this evening. And Cristiano Ronaldo still plays for Portugal. They've won all four of their games, scoring 14, conceding none. You'll assume he'll be uh, he'll still be kicking about. Um, I'd like uh, Jonathan to tell us about some young players that we should be perhaps looking out for this weekend. And I'd like Paul to tell us about some teams, minor teams that we should be looking out for if we haven't mentioned any so far. Uh, I don't know who, whoever wants to go first because I've just sprung this on you. I should have told you before. Um, Jonathan, do you want to go first? Maybe I th- I'll probably just select one for now and then maybe have a brief pause and think about it. But I think I think the the, player, the main player that you can't really ignore uh, in this international break is Lamine Yamal who's at uh, Barcelona and he's got his uh, call up to Spain squad, only 16 years old. Um, he's a real talent. He, he's he been playing for Barcelona this season. He's played five times in total for them now. Um, born in 2007, which is seems seems crazy, really. Like, it's, um, I don't know if it's kind of made... Well, I, I doubt he will probably play for Equatorial Guinea, but I don't know if it's kind of maybe just promoted to give Spain a little bit of a boost, just give them a bit of morale, because it's, it's so young and only playing five senior matches. Um, for your club to get a Spain call up. It's kind of a Theo Walcott vibe, maybe, um, for those who might remember under Sven. Um, but he's a, real, he's a real talent at Barcelona. He's doing really well. Xavi is raving about him uh, and his abilities. Barca always seem to sort of have one or two players. Obviously, Pedri um, is, a, is a good example as well. They always have players coming through at La Masia. And, and Yamal is a wide player who um, sort of plays, he's been playing on the right-hand side for Barca in his early games. He's not playing every match. He's not playing every minute. But he's been a prominent uh, figure in Barca's team this season, kind of a, a feel-good story. And obviously, with everything going on with Spain at the moment, um, with the women's team, it's it's a nice story to have that kind of can take the focus a little bit, maybe away off of off, off, off all the drama. So um, yeah, he's a he's a real talent to watch. I don't know how many minutes he might get under the new coach, but he's someone to keep an eye on. I'd say in this international break, if you're looking for sort of a a young talent that you might not have heard of before. All right, perfect. Um, Paul, hold your ideas, and we'll do them in part three. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. As Jonathan mentioned, uh, George Vilda, uh, Spain Women's World Cup winning head coach, has been sacked uh, amid the ongoing Luis Rubiales scandal. Uh, Monse Toma, I think if that's pronounced correctly, has been named as his successor, becoming the first woman to hold that position. Vilda has described it as unfair. In sporting terms, I'm going to accept all the criticisms. On a personal level, I think it has been unfair. Uh, it's been a special year. Nothing has ever been said directly, but indirectly things have been said that do not suit me. Things have been said that are not true. Uh, Jenny Hermoso has filed a legal complaint over the kiss by Luis Rubiales, uh, the Spanish Football Federation president. Um, Rubiales claims the kiss was mutual and consensual, has been provisionally suspended by FIFA. The complaint means he could face criminal charges. Um, to Paul Watson's World of Football, which is actually a section in the excellent Guardian Football Weekly book that Barry and I are doing a reasonable if not perfect job at promoting on various media channels 
we haven't been asked by many big ones yet it's fair to say <laughs> funny that um, uh, but you can get the book from guardianbookshop.com slash football um, and there'll be a live streamed book launch on the 26th of September with me Barry and Wilson being grilled by Robin Cowan um, you can get tickets by clicking the link in the description on the Football Weekly website your world of football Paul yes and uh, I'm going to give another really shameless uh, link to the other podcast uh, I'm involved in which is called The Sweeper and it's at Sweeper Pod please do so yeah at Sweeper Pod on Twitter and you can get us on all the usual podcast places and we, we focus on the weird and wonderful stories that I sometimes mention on, on this um, I think this we this weekend we should be looking at the uh, CONCACAF Nations League because Montserrat are in action against Barbados um, and what I find really fascinating is they've got a lot of UK players, um, quite a lot of non-league players, in fact, playing for Montserrat. And the best story that I've heard around those is, which I believe is true, is uh, Nathan Pond, who currently playing for Bamber Bridge, who's playing for Montserrat. Uh, and apparently the reason he plays for Montserrat is that he was on the team coach coming back for a game for Fleetwood Town uh, and his teammates were really bored. And one of them said, yeah, where are you from? Like, Where's your heritage? And he said, Montserrat. So his teammate, while on the coach, emailed the Montserrat FA and said, we've got a hell of a player here. You've got to call him up. Thought nothing of it until, sure enough, the next time he met Nathan Pond, he said, yeah, I've been called up. I'm playing in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that story is true. I mean, it really speaks to like, the, this difference between these, these non-leaguers going out and playing you know, for these, these, these lower nations in the rankings. Um, so there's that one going on this weekend. Uh, we've also got the Tax Evasion Derby, which is US Virgin Islands versus the Cayman Islands. That's going to be excellent, um, really spicy good. affair. Are all the players absolutely loaded? Is that what it is? I, they... I can only imagine the betting yeah. happens <laughs> as well. The, so the uh, and the only other one I give, want to give a flag to is actually not this weekend, but the weekend after. The Coupe de France is doing its beautiful, wonderful, weird thing. Ah, where, yeah, um, off to the islands. The islands are coming in. So uh, the team from Saint Pierre and Miquelon, uh, AS Saint Pierre, are coming four thousand five hundred kilometers. Uh, from a little island or an archipelago uh, next to Canada, uh, they're coming over to play uh, in the second round of the French Cup against uh, Club Olympique Passé, which is, I think, near Rennes. Um, and it's, again, this incredible thing that in the French Cup, all the territories are allowed to enter their clubs and they just they travel to the mainland most of the time and play it as if they were a regional French team. It's absolutely wonderful. And, and, and could they, like if PSG were drawn away to this place could they say we, we demand you play it no we? i don't i'm not an expert on this but what i think happens is so i think teams are contacted and asked if they will take part in this it's never got as far as that so local is at the round where it's very regional and those clubs are right, like okay. sort of lower their, their amateur clubs to semi-pro and i think they get asked will you do it if you get drawn and some of them i think last year someone went to tahiti and it was like will you go to tahiti if you get drawn i think that must have been a long a long conversation there could be there could be a really good episode of Death in Paradise if San Marie got so far that they were drawn at home to PSG. And then, you know, <laughs> one of the PSG squad is murdered and it's up to Ralph Little to find out who killed Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> ah, what an episode that would be. I mean, you say that in jest, Max. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> Not in real life, but in the, in the writer's room of Death in Paradise. I think you're probably right, aren't you? I saw you tweeted out the sweeper pod and I haven't listened to it yet, but something about the Indonesian team taking a tank. What's that about? Yeah. So Indonesia has one of the most, um, 
nasty rivalries in, in the whole of world football, actually, I think it's fair to say. Um, so this derby took place in the week and it's the derby between uh, Persia, Jakarta uh, and Persib, Bandung. Now, it's absolutely bitter. And so fans can't travel. Away fans can't travel. It's just too dangerous. Um, but the uh, away team were taken to the game in a tank for their safety, like an actual proper armoured tank. I don't know if he's been on the pod, but James Montague, brilliant football writer, written some of the best books out there. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. He wrote a book where he embedded himself amongst ultras in different Yeah, it's a uh, good book. It's really fascinating. It's an amazing book. book. And one of, one of the most, like, ones that stuck with me was Indonesia. He was with um, he was with the Persia fans and they broke down en route to a game on the motorway. And they weren't even playing against Persib, but some Persib fans heard about this and basically sent a bus to come out and attack them. And he genuinely feared for his life. He had to run across a six-lane motorway rather than wait for these fans to arrive he was that they were that scared they were coming with machetes so yeah when you think about the, the like the most bitter rivalries in football that is one that uh you wouldn't necessarily pop into your head if you're very you know european centric like i am but um yeah horrible rivalry. ended one all in the end that game right okay good to know um I, <laughs> I had to drive a tank for an advertorial for the territorial army for Dorksport, <laughs> which was a bit weird because I was in the tank and then I fired a missile, which is really like far too easy to do. Obviously, it's good at war that it's easy to fire a tank, a missile. You don't want to make it complicated, but it just, it was also a bit sort of, it made me feel a bit cold at how easy it is to, you know, just like kill a, you know, a bunch of innocent civilians or whatever. But they were obviously. To, to be clear, Max, you didn't kill a bunch of innocent <laughs> No, 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 I didn't. No, no, he no. wasn't no, asked no. back for the no, next <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't kill anyone actually. But but when I got out, they were sort of filming me as they, they wanted me to be really excited that I'd driven in a tank, and I obviously found it quite. I just wasn't. It's actually incredibly uncomfortable. Like you, I mean, this to fit a football squad in a tank is because literally, it's sort of you, you've got to barely fit in myself, really. So I'm, I mean, I mean, they'd need to stretch properly once they'd arrived. <laughs> If they were traveling <laughs> in the same like, tank, it's like an armored SUV rather than like a tank, as right? In a okay, military, right. Okay. You will no, shoot. No, yeah, it's important for detail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, no, okay. That's that's completely different. Max, I feel like you've I feel like you've got murder on the brain today. You've got back yeah, there, sort of death in paradise. Now, now you've got. I mean, look, if I if I do go out and commit a serious crime tonight, at least you'll know that <laughs> you were on my last ever pod, Jonathan. And it was it was just chatting to you three that inspired me to kill in cold blood. Um, uh, Bill says the world. Lawn bowling championships are being played on the Gold Coast. Have you ever tried it? You and Barry could have a challenge match. We could challenge Jurgen Klopp. I've seen a video of him trying it. Can we have a shout-out for the Canadians playing at the championship? Absolutely, you can. It's an international break. If you're ever going to get a shout-out for the Canadian lawn bowls team, here it is. I, I've played lawn bowls a couple of times. I have. It's quite yeah. fun. But I it's quite a boozy thing it. over here in Australia. Well, uh, me and some friends went for a, a, an afternoon on the beer and just played lawn bowls. I can't, I can't remember where it was. There's a lawn ball green in Clapham Common, I think. Oh, well, there you go. Sort of turned into a local radio station accidentally. Um, Sam says, can we have a brief mention of the crazy story of Taylor Swift fans flooding the voting of the Golden Boy Award, whatever it is, for Jude Bellingham after it came out that Alejandro Balde didn't like Taylor Swift's music. Um, I mean, there is a brief mention. I, 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 uh, I'm, do you know any more about this, John? I'm staring at you, Jonathan, as not young, but younger than us, to give me any insight on this. I've no clue about it, but I know that you, you don't mess with Taylor Swift fans on, on social media. No. I think, it's, I think it's, the, it's the takeaway there. Mm. 
And obviously they've got the, this the Real Madrid-Barcelona rivalry as well a little bit, isn't there, involved? But yeah, I can't say I know a huge amount about this, Max, but... Uh, no, that's okay. It wouldn't surprise me. No, okay, well, well done to Jude. Uh, for that uh, wildflower records has been in touch say no vasectomy shout out for me i'm only getting one because of the constant barrage of peer pressure i thought it was a rite of passage and i don't even get a shout out i don't even want a vasectomy what should i do tomorrow in theater what will my wife say he previously had written in line with the new tradition of football weekly i decided thanks to rushton wilson glendenning and listener pressure to undergo a vasectomy this thursday morning in thetford vasectomy patients of the world unite and take over as presumably by the time you listen to this you will have had the vasectomy. So um, belatedly, we wish you luck. And I'm sorry I didn't read that out when we were probably doing a pod about geopolitics and, you know, horrible crimes. It just didn't feel right. But um, may you have the best snip you've ever had. <laughs> I don't know what it should say on the greetings card. Um, and that'll do for today. That was a short one, but, you know, nothing else to add. Anything to add, Barry? Uh, not really, no, no. We got there. Okay, good stuff. We got there. We did it. Uh, thank you, Barry. You're welcome. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Max. Uh, Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanderson. This is The Guardian. Have we done enough, Joel? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Leave that bit in. <laughs> 